Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. It is so good to have you guys here. I know um, in person and then those who are watching via our live stream today, um, man, we, we're just honored that you would tune in or, or be here in person. Uh, we, we love to worship with our family in any way that we can. So thank you guys for coming. I just want to dive in this morning to something um, I believe is foundational um, in our calling when we come into Christ. When, when we come into Jesus, there's something foundational that happens in our life and that we are called to. It's a mandate that's put on us, and it's the word reconciliation. Somebody say reconciliation. Reconciliation. And so uh, if you look up the definition of reconciliation, this is what you'll read. The act of making two groups friendly. Reconciliation is the act of making two groups friendly. The restoration of a relationship. The root word of restore means to bring back, to reinstate, to return to right position. And I just think how timely this is in our nation right now, but how timely this is in our own hearts personally and corporately with the Lord. Amen? That that this is an act of bringing us back into friend relationship again, but then also to return us into right position. And so I just want you to know, you don't have to turn on your TV to know that conflict is real. How many of you know right now in your personal life, not in what's happening all around the world, in your own personal life, how many of you know that conflict is real today? Yeah? If you are married, your hand better be up, all right? If you are in a relationship with anybody, your hand better be up. If you know somebody, your hand better be up. If you are sitting beside somebody, your hand better be up. Like this is a part of life. Conflict is a part of life. And yet, I wonder if sometimes our, like for me, I don't like conflict, don't like to be in conflict. I try to avoid it as much as possible. And I wonder if in some ways, like our passive aggressive avoiding conflict has caused us in this moment to just, rather than work on reconciliation, we run from it. Like I'm gonna give you an example, I grew up uh, with, with my two brothers, and, and uh, like a lot of kids, you, you, back in those days, without video games, you went out, you played ball in the neighborhood, right? Small town, and, and from the very time that I can remember, my dad taught us, like, if we do something wrong, we better reconcile that thing. And I remember being with the neighborhood kids, and inevitably, one of us would be up to bat, we'd hit the ball, and it'd go through the neighbor's window. Anybody resonate with that? Yeah? Okay. Now, in that moment, when the ball goes through the window, does everybody get together and say, come on, guys, let's go tell them. Let's tell them what we've done. What happens in that moment? Everybody scatters, man. I mean, literally, everybody runs home, right? Nobody says, you know what, let's all get together, hold hands, and go up there and reconcile what we just did. And so I remember in those, I remember a point in time when we had done that, ball goes through the window, my brothers and I, man, we just dropped everything and ran home. And we were in the room and tears were flowing. We're like, we, dad's gonna kill us, right? Dad walks in, he goes, what did you guys do as he looked at me, Aaron, right? I'm like, there are two other jokers in this room besides me. And middle child misunderstood, yeah, amen. We talk about that a lot, right? And so, and so what he would do in that moment is he would grab, he wouldn't leave, he didn't say, you know what, I know you broke the window, let's just pretend it didn't happen, let's hide from it, all right? He grabbed our arm, he marched our little heinies down to the neighbor's house, And then he would make us knock on the door, apologize, tell them that we would work to fix it, that we would work it off. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like there was something where he wanted us to learn. You don't leave things unresolved. You got to resolve it through reconciliation. And I'm just wondering if that's kind of become a lost art in some ways. 
In some ways now, I mean, I'm looking at my own life. In some ways now, there is kind of a lack of self-awareness, almost a selfishness where we want to claim that it's not my problem. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. Somebody else needs to fix it. Amen, church. And in some ways, the church has even backed off a bit. The church has backed off a bit, and we've almost come to a place of going, look, we didn't do anything, we didn't make the, whatever, and we kind of back off of this thing, and if we're not maybe possibly living in a time right now where we're just not self-reflective of how important reconciliation really is. You see, I believe reconciliation is so important to the heart of God. In fact, I would argue that outside of being fully devoted to bringing God glory, our number one primary goal in life should be to bring God glory. Through everything that we do, I would argue that this isn't one of the biggest components of that, that our hearts are bent towards reconciliation. That our hearts are of stone, that all through scripture you see this woven throughout the word of God. Like he wants to cut out our heart of stone, give us a heart of flesh. He wants to reconcile something within us. He literally tells us in the word, once you were not a people belonging to God, now you are a people belonging to God. He tells while you were still in sin, Christ came and died for you. Like this is the theme of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, God coming in, trying to restore and reconcile. So you see it from the Old Testament down in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. They broke that covenant with, with God and there was hostility. It literally says enmity came in between man and God. Hostility came in between man and God. Yet when God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden, it says he was still with them and he clothed them. He's looking at reconciliation. He's looking to restore it. Then all of a sudden we see Noah and the days of Noah. Wickedness is abounding, running rampant. God's like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I'm flood the earth. But here's God saying, I believe in reconciliation. I'm going to keep a remnant family, Noah's family, to repopulate, redo this thing again. And we know the story. Noah and his family would fail too. So then God goes to Abraham. He's like, I'm going to establish a new covenant. Here's my covenant with you, Abraham. Establish a covenant. You're going to be the father of many nations. And the story of Abraham, and we know the story, like they blow it. And then throughout the rest of Old Testament, we're just reading about this thing over and over and over. God's people obeying, disobeying, falling, wrath of God coming. Then they cry out in a loud voice, save us, save us, save us. God's like, oh, I'm going to come save you, restore reconciliation. And then they do it again and again and again and again and again. And, and all of that, all of that Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. We, mankind, cannot do it in our own strength. All the righteousness that we have, all the abilities that we think we have, all the strength that we try to conjure up, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, we'll never, ever, 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 ever measure up to fulfill the covenant with the Lord. So then we read the finality of reconciliation, the finality for you and I. And here it is in Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For in him, all the fullness, in him means Jesus. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, and through him, to reconcile to himself, somebody say all things. All things through him, not through my trying hard, not through my working hard, not through my righteousness, my goodness. Through him, he reconciles all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. Somebody say peace. I'm telling you, church, it's all over. There was hostility between us and God. Like, we broke that relationship in sin. And every time we sinned, we were just dousing fire, uh, dousing gasoline on the fire. There's hostility between us and God. And so Jesus comes and he makes peace by the blood 
of his cross. And so I want to spend our day today, I want to talk about why reconciliation is so important. In fact, if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 11. I'm going to camp out there for just a little bit, and and then I'm going to jump around a little bit. But it says, because we understand our fearful, somebody say fearful. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. So, so as Paul's talking here, he's trying to get us to understand something. There should be something burning in our heart, this fearful responsibility that it's not somebody else's job, it's not somebody else's goal. There should be this fearful thing that burns in our heart that we have a responsibility to the Lord. I don't get to drop my bat and scatter because somebody else broke the window. Amen. I'm a part of this thing. We work hard. Because of our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Jumping down to verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls, compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So from now on, we regard no one. We see no one. We don't look upon anyone from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new crea- they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Verse 18, listen to this. Listen to this. All this is from God. Not your goodness, not your righteousness, not because you tried, not because you grew up in the church. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, everybody yell us. He didn't give it to your pastor, he didn't give it to your worship pastor, he didn't give it to your Sunday school teacher, he didn't give it to your life group leader alone. He gave it to us and we are all a part of us. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And and, and this way he says, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Two times he wants us to get this down. Two times. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you. Listen to what Paul says. We implore you. We beg you. We are, ah, fearful. Something fearful in our hearts is trying to tell you that we have a responsibility. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. By default, when you said yes to Jesus, by default, when I said yes to Jesus, reconciliation became our purpose because it was God's purpose. We don't get to say this, and I just want to speak this to you. We don't get to say, you know, I just don't feel like I have the gift of reconciliation. All right? Like, that is such the Christian go-to, right? I don't think I've, I just don't think I have that gift. Like, you know, if I tell you, man, let's all go out there and evangelize on the streets. Like, you could, like, you know, war with me a little bit. I just don't know if I have the gift of evangelism. Eh, whatever. You do. Amen? But in this sense, I want you to know that in this moment, in this verse, you don't get to say, I just don't think I have that gift of reconciliation. Like, I think they do, but I don't. You carry it in you because you carry Jesus. Responsibility. 
You have it. It's in you. It, it, in fact, it's so much in you that there's a fearful responsibility to it. It's on every believer because it's the heart of Jesus. Now, let me just tell you, when we talk about reconciliation, why we always have to start with God and why I believe that he says, uh, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We can try to fix all the world's problems, and we can try to reconcile, we can try to do this and do this. We can try everything we want to try to try to reconcile with the world, but if it isn't first with Jesus Christ, it's all for naught. I was telling you, man, we're gonna butt our heads. It's gonna work for a moment. It looks good for a moment. It was okay for a moment, but if my heart is not reconciled with the Lord, I'm gonna break that thing. All the laws in the Old Testament, all the rules that you lay out to me, I may be good for a moment trying to follow those, but if my heart is not in it first, I'm gonna butt my head against it. Amen, church. And I'm telling you right now, say the same thing with my kids. I could give my kids a list of all these rules. If their heart is not in it, no matter how well they think they do, they will break those rules. And so it starts first and foremost with us being reconciled to God because he will always be the first and foremost. This is a big deal. Before we can carry the ministry of reconciliation, before we can go out and mend things in the right way, first and foremost, our hearts with his. Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, can I just tell you, there was a day in my life where I was far off, amen? Grew up in the church my whole life. Moms and Mom and dad were believers, pastors, right? Pastor's kid, and, and so I was thinking in my mind, I'm just gonna ride their coattails into heaven, amen? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do what the pastor's kids are supposed to do when everybody's watching. <laughs> and when nobody's not, I'm gonna you know, do whatever pastor's kids do. We're not gonna divulge that, all right? And so, so I'm thinking, I, this is what I've gotta do. This is what it looks like. I was far off. If I live righteous, if I try to be good, if I'm good enough, like somewhere there's a line, I don't live under that line, I try to live over this line, then somehow if the Lord comes back, he's gonna save me. And so I lived my life thinking that way until I began to realize no matter how much I tried to live in that line, I just kept bumping it down. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Just kept bumping it down. Just kept, so it would become manageable until the Lord just slapped me in the face and said it was never about your goodness and righteousness. It was always about mine. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been made uh, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. He doesn't just give us peace, he is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Listen to this, church. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing, somebody say killing, hostility. He didn't take the hostility and put it to the side and be like, look, you screw up, I'm going to bring it back. He didn't take the hostility and say, I'm going to shelf it for a minute, but I'm watching you. He didn't take the hostility and say, I'm going I'm to put it right here. And if you do something wrong, it's coming back in. It says that Jesus took the hostility, put it on the cross, and killed it. The brokenness that was once between God and man was mended by the cross. And now we can be restored in right relationship when we come to the Father. Church, this right here is the message that we need for reconciliation. It always starts with him. And I'm going to tell you something because I believe it's so important. 
He takes all of the commandments and all of the laws and all of the things in the Old Testament and the New Testament and he wraps them all up in the person of Jesus where it's not the do's and don'ts, it's about him. My heart is bent towards him. There was hostility. We were an enemy. There was an enmity between us and God. There was tension and all the righteous acts would not fix it. And I think it's important that we need to understand that when we're going out and we're trying to create reconciliation in our world and we're trying to reconcile with our neighbors and we're trying to reconcile with our friends and we believe the great commandment, we believe the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. but we've got to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength first so that we can love our neighbor not as we would want to love but as he would want us to love. There is a reconciliation that will always start with us being reconciled to the Lord. Ephesians 2, 17 through 19. Listen to what he goes on and says. And he, Jesus, came. And he, Jesus, came. And he preached peace. Somebody say peace. He preached peace. What was the message of Christ? Peace. What did he preach? Peace. He preached peace. The start was peace. To you who were far off and to peace to those who were near, to those who were the Jews and the Israelites, and he preached peace to the Gentiles that one day we would be adopted into the family of God, and we are. For, though, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with all the saints and members of the household of God. He came and he preached peace. Peace to who? Peace of reconciliation the ch- to the church kid that grew up thinking that they, to those who together. He preached reconciliation for those who've been marked by addiction. He preached reconciliation to those who've been labeled a cheater. He preached reconciliation to the broken marriage. He preached reconciliation to those who think they screwed up their kids. He preached reconciliation to a life that was living a lie and a mask on their life. He preached reconciliation to the person who thought they were good enough. And he preached reconciliation to the person who thought about it was their own righteousness. He preached this message of peace and reconciliation that those things right there will never mark you, but I will mark you. Let me give you an example of what that looks like because I told you I tried and I tried and I tried and just kept bumping that mark down. I'll give you an example in my marriage. Christy and I, this year I think is 19 years of marriage, 19 or 20. Um, It feels like 20, babe, because I love you. So um, 19 years, 20, but we've been together for 23, 24 years. And in those 23, 24 years, we've had tension once or twice maybe, okay? That is such a lie. We have tension, there's, there's a lot of tension, right? And, and here we are into this thing, and sometimes the tension is every day, and sometimes the tension is in seasons, and sometimes it's in years, and sometimes it's in months, and she's probably like, Aaron, you are my tension a lot, just right? And so there's tension at times in our marriage. And so if I went and tried to get marriage help and somebody said, Aaron, there's tension, there's enmity, there's hostility between you and your wife, I'm going to give you a list of 10 things, and you do these 10 things well, and your marriage is going to blossom, okay? I'm going through, and I'm like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And all of a sudden, I get done with that list, and I'm like, nothing's changed between us. I did the list, nothing's changed between us. The reason is, is because my heart of bitterness has not been reconciled to her heart. So I'm trying to live by a list of things that I, in my heart, I'm just doing begrudgingly, but my heart has not been reconciled to hers. But when we sit down and we reconcile our hearts together, and it's not about what we've done or not done, when we reconcile our heart together, then I can take that list, and it's a joy in my heart to do those things over and over and over. And when I screw them up, let me say that again, and if I screw them up, and let me say that again, and I will screw them up. When I screw those things up, 
It's not like you screwed this up, therefore there's hostility again. You screw that, it's okay, man, there's forgiveness. I screwed this up, it's okay, there's forgiveness because we've been reconciled together. Reconciliation is the start and it always starts with God. I'm gonna invite Matt to come up here. Matt's heart's been stirring and burning with this as well and we were talking and kind of sharpening one another and it was really cool to hear what the Lord was birthing in his heart with this. But before I say that, I want you to think about the great commission to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The first words there are to go and make disciples, baptizing them. The first thing we do is we share the love of Jesus and that baptism is that sign and seal that you've been reconciled with the Lord. And then he says, and then teach them to obey all I've commanded. Notice he didn't flip that verse upside down and say, go and teach everybody to obey and then baptize them. It's important first and foremost that we reconcile our hearts with God and then I want Matt to share what the Lord has birthed on his heart. Good morning, church. I just got to ask this. How many of you, by show of hands, have been stirred this morning? Good job, Aaron. No, I'm just kidding. This is, I'm sitting back there, and I just feel like Holy Spirit was just showing me something. He, everybody say he. He is stirring his church. He's stirring the hearts of his sons and his daughters because that's what we are called to commission in is his kingdom. Come on, amen? And because of that, we are called to be reconciliations and ministers of the gospel. Not because by our own efforts, by our own doings, but because he is stirring us. And as I'm sitting back there, I'm literally just watching him going, hey, I'm stirring individual hearts, and that's where unity takes place. Because we're like-minded, we're like-hearted, and I'm just going, wow, God, you're doing some cool stuff. With that in mind, I want to share just a couple things that God, um, and I'm thankful God is in the business of wrecking, breaking, uprooting, and then rebuilding. Come on, amen? And over the last week, uh, God's been doing that in my life um, to a place where I feel like there's some really cool things that he's revealing to me. Everybody say reveal. I believe God wants to pour out revelation to um, the, the church, and we have to ready ourselves. And just kind of share what I'm, what I'm saying real quick is the last, about six days ago, I found myself on my knees, and I was just tired, fed up. Um, if you've, you're with me, if you're honest, you've had an opinion and thoughts about every single thing that's happened in the world the last three months, or maybe it's been much longer than that. I watch news constantly. I'm in front of the news, every news channel all day long, and I commentate them for them. <laughs> I share my thoughts, I share my opinions about every single thing that's happening in the world today. And here's, here's the, heart, the problem with that. I'm sitting, I'm sitting at the TV the other day, and I turn on the news, and I like to flip between all the news channels to see what everybody's talking about. And, and so I, I, I know where, which, which, I know kind of the, where, where every channel is kind of going and leading. So I'm sitting there flipping through them, and, and my son Caleb comes and sits next to me, and he just starts kind of talking. And what I'm realizing is he is literally spewing the rhetoric that I've been saying for the last two weeks. You know what I'm talking about? And I heard this saying that what we do in moderation, our kids will do in excess. And it was this humbling moment in my heart, and I look over at Caleb, and I said, Caleb, first of all, forgive me. And I, I, I didn't mean this out of uh, rebuking or anything, but I said, you know, everything you're saying is what I've been saying for the last few weeks. 
And I'm just saying, forgive me. Because that person on the TV right there, God knows everything about them. He knows their hurt. He knows their brokenness. He knows their heart. He knows their thoughts to them. Bears are on their head. And God sees people as individuals, and he's called us to minister to them with the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to share our opinions with them. We live in an extremely noisy world. There's opinions and thoughts everywhere. And if you're like me, I don't even know what to think or believe sometimes when I'm sitting here trying to navigate all this stuff. And so six days ago, I find myself on my, my knees, and my prayer is this. God, take away my thoughts. Take away my, my opinions. I ask and repent because, Lord, I've been thinking from a human point of view. I'm tired of it. I don't want a human opinion anymore. I don't want human ways of thinking anymore. I want your way. And last night, I'm, I'm, I was going to bring it in and use it as an illustration, but I have a, a little bowl of M&Ms, and it's filled to the top. And I'm just watching, like, kingdom is trying to pour out the, this, this image of M&Ms, like, on top of this already full jar. There's no more room for it to take place or to, to, to fill up. I'm, I'm already filled. I'm filled with all my thoughts. I'm filled with all of my opinions. And even when kingdom's trying to bring revelation, there's no place for it. We have to turn it upside down, empty it, get to a place of brokenness, and say, Lord, I want kingdom revelation in my life, and I'm making room for it. So get rid of my thinking. Get rid of my opinions and fill them with yours, your truths, your ways. In Matthew 16, we see Jesus ask the disciples, he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Verse 13, verse 14, they say, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of a living God, the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Just like Peter, with the revelation that comes from our Father, he sees Jesus as the Savior, Son of Man. He confesses it. And what is the, what is the promise in return? He says, Peter, I mean rock, in whom I'm going to build my church. When we have kingdom revelation, the kingdom can be advanced if we're willing to listen, to obey, to walk in it. Scripture tells us to pick up our cross daily, to surrender our lives, and go after the things of kingdom. Yet, I don't know about you, but I'm confessing, I've had so many human ways and merely human thinking that there's not room for kingdom to set into this heart so that it can overflow from my mouth and my ways of thinking. When we begin to intercede, I was talking to somebody after second service, I believe that intercession doesn't just change uh, God pouring out, but it changes our hearts for people. We begin to see with a kingdom mindset, with his hot eyes, his ears, and his heart, and we're able to love and to be ministers of reconciliation in a mighty way. Church, I'm asking you, let God stir within you, be willing to crucify your thoughts and your thinking so that the kingdom of God that we can partner with the kingdom of God. His will be done on earth right now. 
Come on, amen? I want to leave you with this last one. We were, we were at men's uh, Bible study this week. Um, it's, it's funny because I told you that the, the dumping out of M&Ms, the, the second I started praying, every day, every morning I've been getting up, God, not my thoughts, not my opinions, just whatever you have for me today, let me just be a part of it. Let me be a part of what you're doing. God, let me be a part of your kingdom. Let me be a part of your will. So I'm, I'm praying this, and, and um, so <laughs> I told Aaron, we're, we're riding. He, man, we love to share, just kind of stirred. And so he goes, hey, I'm asking you to share this. And uh, as, as I'm reading to him, I'm pretty much reading the entire book of 2 Corinthians. And a highlighter doesn't do much good when you're just highlighting everything. You know what I'm saying? And God is just, there's a place for it to take root now. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's pouring it out, and when we're empty, it allows us to, to be filled up with new ways of thinking. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds, our hearts. And so anyway, this week, God's just been pouring this in. And as, as I'm sitting in a men's group, they're talking, man, and it's just cool what God's doing. He's stirring his people. And um, I, we're just kind of talking about what's going on in, in life. And, and uh, somehow we get to this place, and I just share, I said, you know, when I was a youth pastor for 13 years, I used to have um, parents come up to me and say, hey, my kids are really struggling with depression and cutting. Will you preach a message against that? Matt, um, my kids are really struggling with uh, addiction to fill in the blank, pornography or, or internet or maybe gaming. Will you kind of share about like how bad addiction is? Or the new one, like, hey, Matt, everybody in school is this is my answer. Would you kind of share and see how dangerous that is and, and, and preach a message about that? This is my answer every time. No. No, I won't. And here's why. Because when we, when we have these, these messages based on symptoms, it's always going to come back up. You know what I'm talking about? But the difference is, is when we preach the remedy of Jesus, he is the hope. He has, is, and always will be the answer. Always. So if you want the answer to depression, Jesus gives us joy. If we want the, the answer to addiction, Jesus gives us freedom. If you want the answer to fill in the blank, God literally, he, he breaks down and then restores and that we are crucified in Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us and he is making us like him. If we're willing to be humble, to come to a place of God, God, I'm tired of my flesh. I'm tired of it. This broken, beaten world, I'm tired of the wide path, God. Make it narrow. I want your ways. They truly are higher than my ways. They're truly greater than my ways. But it comes from this place of being willing to pour it out and empty ourselves so that it can be filled up with who God is and desires us to be. Come on, amen? Amen. I hope that blesses somebody today. And remember, God is stirring his people so that we can partner in his kingdom. Amen. Good word. I just want to, I want to finish with this today. And Matt talked about it, emptying ourselves out. So we guys just close your eyes and, and uh, I just want to pray these four things over you. Uh, we do want to be ministers of reconciliation and we first and foremost been to be reconciled to the Lord. And so when we talk about reconciling um, with others, and, and bringing this ministry of reconciliation. There's four things I just wanna pray over you guys today, and that's first and foremost, reconciliation must always be intentional. And so, Father, we're praying that you would help us to be intentional in this thing. We're not just gonna fall into it. 
I believe in, 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 in God opportunities that get put in front of us, but if we're not intentional with it, we're gonna walk away. So, so I pray for intentionality within the church, that we don't just kinda hope that this is something we stumble upon, but we see how clearly your word talks about it. So we pray that reconciliation will be intentional, that we will seek out, we will work hard to persuade others, as your word says. Father, the second thing I pray over this church body and, and us as a nation is that reconciliation requires vulnerability. God, I pray, we, we don't wanna set and put out there that we've got it all together. I just pray that we can be vulnerable with one another and vulnerable with people that we meet. Like, I don't have it all together. I wanna, I wanna tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life. I wanna tell you how God's worked in the good, how God's worked in the bad, how God is working in the ugly. So God, would we be able to kind of lay our hearts bare before one another and, and lay down the facade that we've got it all, all down? And then thirdly, Father, I pray that we would be, uh, be people that are marked that reconciliation demands humility. Um, God, we gotta lay down our pride. We gotta lay down our opinions. I, I, I personally wanna repent, Father, that so many times I read scripture to prove to somebody that I'm right on whatever it is I wanna be right on. Rather than emptying myself out and reading scripture to say you're right, you're right. And then so many times finding myself, maybe I'm not right. So God changed my heart from reading the word to justify my nature, help me to read the word to justify your nature to prove you are true, to show people who you are. If I'm holding offense, humble me. If I'm holding bitterness, humble me. And then fourthly, Father, reconciliation must be bathed in prayer. Father, we need a work of intercession to rise up. God, that, that there, I said it, there, Kansas is calling forth 100,000 intercessors. I pray that three, four, five, six hundred of them come from this place. That there's this intense desire, fearfully understanding the responsibility you've placed on our life, that we would bathe this thing in prayer, that God, we would know that it's not entering in something that's always easy. Sometimes, God, reconciliation is messy. Sometimes it's difficult, but yet you crossed that line for us. Now you've given us that mantle. May we cross it as well. So I pray for those things, Jesus, over our hearts today, that you would be glorified in each and every life in this place as ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We love you, praise you for this church family, for those who are viewing online today, praise you for their hearts. Stir, stir your body to action. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, God bless you guys, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.